107. Opening the doors to endless possibilities. In the pursuit of love, peace, and happiness. With your host, Rafika and Brother James. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another night of Get Your Financial Life Together. Haru Niket is here. We've got a hot show. James is here. What's happening in our world here at the Keys 107? Well, let's see. We mentioned already that we are going to South Africa. and We've got some calls about it. Some people are interested in taking that flight to the motherland with us. Those dates are the first two weeks of July 2016. Payment plans are available. That's to answer um, Mr. Minchin's question. Uh, yes, we have payment plans. It is a family affair. You can bring your children. There are things that children can do there with us. It's not a totally adult event. So call us, 213-943-3618. 213-943-3618. We're waiting for my co-host to come on the line. And he's here. Let me let him know that his mic is live. Brother James, your mic is live. Well, welcome, family. This is Brother James, and it's always a blessed day to be able to communicate with our family, the Keys 107 family. And uh, all I got to say, Rafika, is 10, 10, 15. We had a wonderful time, a great excursion yes. down to Washington D.C. And, That's right. Um, that was next on what's w- new in our world. <laughs> absolutely, that should be number one. It was just um, illuminating. Um, the spirit is high. It's um, it is absolutely wonderful to see that there is some priorities in the black community, and one of them is called unity. So I just want to say I, I was a, a gratifying feeling to be among so many people from all walks of life, from all over the United States, there for a common reason. And um, the diversity of our own community is so vast that we have so many different elements to our community. They're all going to come together under one banner, and that's justice or else. And that was wonderful. And we always have to give much love and respect and honor to Minister Louis Farrakhan for delivering such a wonderful, heartfelt um, speech. And uh, we're looking forward to part two this Sunday where we will get more marching orders. And um, you can't fit it all in one day, so he's going to continuously guide us so that we can get the justice that we so rightfully deserve. All right, Rika. So that's what's new in my world. <laughs> One of the things that I wanted to mention about the uh, Million Man March 20th anniversary, 20th year anniversary, was not only did we see so many men come out, they brought their sons, their daughters, and women were there in full force to hear what the message is. And there was a interesting conversation this week on the... Um, on one of the one of the uh, terrestrial radio stations, in regards to what are the dots left open with the statement or else, and what does that or else actually mean? 
And I think there's a lot of conversation about that. And I think if, if you if you know the leader, if you know the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, he doesn't do anything by accident. And oh. there's been some speculation as to what is the or else. And I was very uh, happy to hear these two women co-hosts of, of this FM show who talked about him being a spiritual leader and uh, talking about the or else as perhaps it wasn't supposed to be a backlash against a ideology or an action, but maybe it's the or else is to look at yourself in the mirror and say, how am I going to stand up? What am I going to do? What is my or else? Well, that may in fact be true, but I believe that the the or else is a mindset and it's also activity that stems from that mindset. And one of the things about justice and the justice that we're looking for, complete justice, is to have freedom, you know, freedom from the mental bondage and slavery, the emotional impact that um, poverty has placed on most of our people. And I say most because 80% of our people are feeling the impact of, of poverty here in America, if not more. And we are still slaves. So he is talking about the RLs. We have to uh, do some alternative things to free ourselves from the bondage of this society. And um, the or else is, or else we're going to die trying. And I believe that's, you know, there's so many elements to it. We do know that he's meeting with many of our uh, professional people in our community to come up with all the strategies. But he has talked about the economic power, the trillions of dollars that go through our economy in the black community and how we need to harness that power and make it work for us. And so I guess today's guest will help us in one aspect of that is to understand how we can rid ourselves from being um, financial slaves to debt, you know, owing people, corporations, always one foot, you know, in the grave of poverty because our our, uh, expenses exceed our income. And um, we need to really deal with that. You know, we, we really mm-hmm. need to deal with that. But we can never go forward. We'll always have shackles on us. And so I know this is a major, that is a major thrust with the Minister Louis Farrakhan is economics. And um, so we're going to see some of our brighter minds come together to help us to deal with that. And he knows that the season is upon us, coming very shortly, where the reindeer will be flying. And the man in the red suit and the white beard will be prancing around, getting all of your money, whether you was a good boy or a good girl. He's going to come and rob you in the name of Christ. And he wants to, the minister wants us to know that we all are mature people spiritually, that we don't have to fall victim to those lies that Santa Claus you know, bought a gift. If you buy a gift for your child, you buy it and say, I worked hard for this young man, young lady. This is for you because I love you. I work hard because I want to provide for you. I want to make you happy and give you a quality of life. Ain't no Santa Claus that is giving no gifts away. It's mommy and daddy. But he's also taking it a little further. Let us not spend our money 
in that way and let us bring, keep that money within and, and maybe invest in ourselves and free ourselves from debt. So without going any to, in so much into that, because I think this Sunday, for, for all those who are listening, this coming Sunday he's going to do part two, and um, we'll get more details as to what it is that we can do to free ourselves from mental, physical, and financial slavery. And so I'm looking forward to hearing from our guest today to really enlighten us, at least in one of those aspects, the financial aspect of debt. Well, we're going to uh, bring in Haru Niket. He is here. He's he's here and he's ready. He's got a 12-point conversation with our listeners today on debt hoping to change our mind and how we look at how we look at debt. We have the healthy tip that's going to be up next and before we go to the healthy tip, let me just say that I am so honored and grateful that you've taken a moment out of your time to spend with us. Uh brother James and I have been doing this show for a long time and I think each time we do it, we get a new energy and each time we wrap up a show, we get a greater sense of what we're doing. We are here to open doors to endless possibility in the pursuit of love, peace, and happiness. We address the seven keys, the seven um, essential keys of life that will help you in all areas. And I remember one time my mentor said to me that you have to address all areas in your life. You can't only focus on the finances. You have to address the spiritual. You have to address the mental. You absolutely have to address the physical. You've got to address the education key. And you have to have an entertainment key in your life. You have to be a balanced person, duly proportioned person. You can't be tilted. You have to be on the right track, on the straight path. So let us go to the... um, Healthy tip of the day with our organic soul chef, Medea Allen. And by the way, Medea Allen will be coming on the keys in a couple of weeks to talk about, or actually to catch us up on what she's doing. Um, she's getting ready to launch a, I would say, a national juice fast. But let me not let the cat out the bag. The healthy tip of the day is up next. We'll be right back. The Keys 107 and OzikaCS.com present The Healthy Tip of the Day. The Healthy Tip of the Day is to spend time in nature. Being in nature is an excellent way to connect with the earth and its natural rhythm. At least once a week for 30 minutes, explore your local parks by walking a trail or finding a peaceful place just to relax. When you start communing regularly with nature, expect to feel more at peace and calm within. Today's healthy tip of the day has been brought to you by wellness expert Medea Allen. I invite you to learn more about me and my services at www.organicsoulchef.com. Nobody does it like she does. So before we bring on Haru, I'd just like to read a, a quick quote from the book D-Free, Breaking Free from Financial Slavery by 
DeForest B. Soares Jr., and as most of the Keys family knows by now, DeForest B. Soares has been on our show to talk about debt and what debt does to your life and how it strengthens you and keeps you in financial bondage. And he says, um, the levels of household debt threaten our ability to develop any meaningful wealth or to pass that wealth on to future generations. And he says, according to the Federal Reserve Board, about one-third of lower-income families spend more than 40% of their income on debt repayment compared to 20% for moderate-income households and 14% for middle-income families. So that is just something to set the tone and to stimulate some thought on the direction that we're going into today. And let's just bring in Haru. He's been waiting so patiently. Haru, your mic is live. Check in. Oh, good evening. Good evening. Good Are evening, you still my awake? brother. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm really excited to be uh, talking about debt. Debt is such a taboo subject, uh, especially in our community that people tend to suffer in silence. And um, so it's really important mm. that, you know, we, we bring this to um, to the air so everybody can understand that they're not alone and that there are ways to overcome it. Mm. Mm. Well, overcoming it is and, – and you know what, Haru, you, you hit on a very important point. One of the things that um, the Forest Story says in his book and in his whole D-Free program is that, you have to partner with people. And you said it, you're not alone. So if we can first acknowledge that we are in debt and that we need help and then partner with people who are also trying to pull themselves out of this lifestyle of of accepting debt, then perhaps it will help us move to the next level. So I know that you're going to start off with um, good debt versus bad debt or good Yeah, but I, but I really want to just expand. Yes, but I want to expand on what you just said because you said something that's, that's really critical, um, and, and it's about uh, getting to a point where you can deal with it. And one of the things that people don't realize is that you go through the same stages of grief when you have debt that you do when you lose a loved one. And so initially you have that first stage, which is denial, and then you have anger, and then you have bargaining, and then you have depression, Mm. and then finally acceptance. And the acceptance I'm talking about is not that you're okay with your situation, but you acknowledge that this is the situation I'm in. And so when you get to that stage where you've accepted this is where I am, then you can take the steps to move forward. But when you're going through that emotional turmoil it's difficult to make the right decisions that will get you out of debt. And so, you know, even to expand on on your statistics, it, it's a lot worse than what people can imagine. You know, the current statistics came out in August for 2015, and the average household credit card debt now is $15,706. Um, the average mortgage debt is about $156,000. The average student loan debt is $32,953. When you look at the totality of what American consumers owe, you're talking about $11.85 trillion in debt, and that's an increase from last year. So we're seeing a continuing trend of people getting deeper and deeper and deeper in debt, which means they're either making the same mistakes um, or they're making other mistakes that are getting them in a worse situation. So, I, I, you know, to start, like you said, with good debt, bad debt, I think people have to understand 
that there's a significant difference between good debt and bad debt. All debt is not bad. And Mm -hmm. you have to really start to think like a a business owner in order to really understand what good debt and bad debt is. And you have to think like a business owner um, in order to rectify your situation if you're in bad debt. So let's start with that. Good debt, um, I, I call that debt that gives you a strategic advantage. And good debt can be that you took out um, a, a loan uh, to buy a piece of real estate that brings you revenue that covers the cost of servicing the debt. So if you had an investment property, you're not going to pay for it all cash. You're going to get a mortgage, but the mortgage is serviced by the rental income that comes in. Um, mm-hmm. Good debt could also be buying a product or service that gives you an advantage that you couldn't afford to pay for all at once, but paying it off over time allows you to reap a benefit uh, that you wouldn't otherwise be able to to take advantage of. So when you're speaking about education, education can be a good debt if the result of that education brings an income that's going to cover the cost of the debt. Um, The home you live in can be uh, a good debt because you can't afford to live the way you want to live without taking out a mortgage. And so you have certain things that make sense to create a debt as long as you're able to cover or service that debt. Then you have bad debt. Now, most people have what I call bad debt, and that's accumulating debt that doesn't give you a strategic advantage. As a matter of fact, it puts you in a worse situation than before you had the debt. Um, So debt Mm -hmm. that immediately or over time puts you in a worse position than before is bad debt. So when you start accumulating credit card debt, um, when you start making purchases um, that you can't afford, that don't give you a strategic advantage, that puts you in a worse situation over time, that's bad debt. And unfortunately, most people right. find themselves in that situation. Mm. So, yeah, Brother, Brother Haru, yes. this is so serious because I, um, what I'm hearing, you know, there's absolutely some issues here. First, I want to say is, it's um, if we look at the 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 global debt or even the debt that's in America over the last 15 years or so the national debt has tripled in America so we're setting up the from the highest level of government you're setting up a culture of debt absolutely so how do we, it's we, definitely a trickle down yeah and so you, you, yeah. you, you we we're looking at people, uh, the average person, and say, "Hey, you shouldn't be in debt because debt is no is harmful to you." But then you you look around, your state is in debt, your government is in debt, every corporation is in great debt. Um, so the whole culture of borrowing and lending um, is so out of whack. And so this is why with your conversation with us today. Is so much needed. It's like medicine because we're sick right now. We're sick. We're sick of the debt, the burden of debt, and it becomes a psychological um, warfare that we're dealing with. You know, um, um, people are becoming very depressed, and from that, other things spur. But let's just keep going in the direction you're going because this is so serious. People, I hope you're listening because we have to come out. This is one of those key elements these key lessons that we have to learn and we have to come out of this thing like overnight. Continue my brother with your, your, uh, the well, path and again, just to, on. just to reinforce that. No, you, I'm glad you did that. Just to reinforce that because you mentioned, you said 
governments are in debt, um, businesses are in debt, but they understand the difference between good debt and bad debt. And I think that most people don't get it. And, and again, you have to think like a business owner or an investor. When they put themselves in debt, they call it leveraged debt, meaning that mm-hmm. I, I borrow in order to gain something greater that is going to be serviced by whatever I did. So there's no business in America, no large business in America that doesn't borrow money. Um, they borrow money to right. maintain cash flow, and they borrow money for expansion. There's no investor in America that would even dare put their own money into something because it doesn't make sense. So when, you, when you're on the right. other side of it, when you're, when, you know, when you're the business owner, when you're the investor, then you understand how to leverage debt, and then you borrow responsibly. When you're on the, on the mm. side that most people are on, the consumer side, then the debt doesn't make sense because all you're doing is, is borrowing money, and really you're borrowing time. Uh, most people are just borrowing right. time, uh, and, and, you know, it becomes unsustainable at a point. So, you know, mm. we, we really have to be clear that borrowing is not the issue. It's bad borrowing that's the issue. And so yes. if you've been yes. borrowing wrong all your life, you have to stop doing that immediately. So let's just mm. get into how we get over that. Um, the first yes. thing you have to do is, is really get organized. And I, I don't think most people uh, really have a grasp of what their debt really entails. Uh, you know, usually people get something in the mail, and especially if it's debt-related, it goes into a pile, and they never look at it again mm-hmm. um, because they're in one of those stages of grief where they don't, they don't want to really deal with it, usually in the denial stage. But in order mm-hmm. to, to do this, you have to get seriously organized. So how do you get organized? You have to get a copy of your credit report. Um, on your credit right. report, it should list, and you have to get a copy from all the three uh, credit bureaus, that's Experian, um, Equinox, mm-hmm. and TransUnion. You do right. not have to pay for that. Every year you are allowed to get a free copy of your credit report. Um, so uh, if people would just go to uh, www.annualcreditreport.com, uh, you can download a free copy of your credit report. You do not need the scores for what we're going to do right now. They will charge you for the score. You do not need the score. You need a copy of your credit report. That will tell you every single creditor that reported to the credit credit bureaus about debt that you owe them. It will tell you if you're paying it on time. It will tell you if you're, you know, um, if you're late. It will tell you if you defaulted. It will have all that information there. You need to do that. Mm-hmm. That's important. You need to get a copy mm-hmm. of your bank statement. Um, your bank statement will tell you uh, how you've been paying, whether it's coming out of your bank account every single month, whether you're writing checks for it every single month. You need to get that type of information. All of the information that uh, states where your money is going and money that you have, you have to gather that information first. Um, right. There's no way to, to be able to overcome debt if you don't know how much money is coming in and how much money is going out. Right. right. Um, so, so, so the next thing, it's important too that you you monitor your spending. Most people don't really have a, a clue what their spending habits are. Mm-hmm. And you know, years ago, I used to tell people, "Well, get a little notepad, and every time you spend something, write it down." And right. you know, that that's a great way to do it. But you have technology now. I want to give people ways that are, are quick, easy, and and the least amount of burden so that they'll do it. Um, right. There's an app called Pocket Expense. It's free. Pocket There's expense. also an app called Pocket Expense. 
um, mm-hmm. where you can track all of your, your expenses. Um, there's also another one that's free called Expensify. That's another good one. Um, and Expensify pretty much does the same thing, but it's just a, a slight variation. So check out those two, two apps. And mm-hmm. every time you spend money, just document it. And it'll, it'll track it for you. Um, it's a lot easier right. than, you know, the, the pen and paper. That right. will tell you where money's being wasted. And that's going to be important because you're going to have to have some money in order to overcome the debt. It's not going to just disappear. So you're going to need that information to know where you can start cutting costs later on. Right. The next thing that's important in terms of the mindset is in order to overcome debt, you cannot be credit sensitive. And what do I mean about that? Um, you can't be concerned with your credit score. You have to make a decision. Am I going to try to maintain my current credit score? And usually if you're in debt, your credit score is already bad. I mean, we have to be very right. about that. Um, mm-hmm. Am I going to try to maintain my credit score or am I going to overcome this debt and then rebuild my credit later? And one of the good things right. about credit is that it's not static, um, that it changes over time based upon the condition mm-hmm. you're in. So as you begin to eliminate the debt, your credit score will, will go up again. Um, as you begin to put good information on your credit report, the number will go up again. So you can't do this and be credit sensitive. So you have to decide what your goal is. If your goal is to eliminate debt right now, don't worry about the credit score because um, probably in a situation you're in, you can't borrow money anyway. And, you know, credit score primarily is used as an indicator as to whether you're a good borrower. And since we're not trying to borrow our way out of this, then we don't have to worry about credit score. Mm-hmm. Um, the next thing that you that you need to do is once you've gathered all of that information, you've got your bank account, you've got your credit report, you've uh, tracked some of your expenses, and, and you should probably track your expenses over a 30-day period. Um, you can mm-hmm. start after a week, but over a 30-day period, you have a good indicator of how much money that you're, you're blowing every single week. Once right. you have all this information and you list your expenditures and you list the and, – and I mean all of your expenses – um, so fixed expenses, variable expenses, child support, alimony, palimony, um, and list all of your income. And that could be same thing. It could be child support, alimony, palimony, all these things. You have to do a comparison, and you have to mm-hmm. see if you're in the hole or if you're ahead. If you find out that every single month you're continuing to lose or if you're breaking even or you still have a little bit of surplus. Uh, right. Once you just yeah, so that, you know that that's important to to figure out where you are. There's a, another uh, app that you can use for that, and it's, it's free. It's really good on smartphones, and, and that's Expensify. Um, Expensify will list all these things for you, and and put it in a, in a logical way so you can do a comparison. Right, 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 right. You know, I'm glad you're giving that information out to everyone because I think, like you said, if you give somebody something they can work with and they can use they'll more likely use it, you know, um, and yeah. it's important to know your expenses so you can even get a budget together, you know, to, uh, to, to, you know, reduce your debt. But continue, my brother. This is good stuff. All right. So once you've got, gotten to that point, um, again, you have to, to think like a business person. And, and one thing I have to really point out, every debt you got into was a business decision. And even if you didn't think of it as a business decision, it was a business transaction from the creditor to you. They're not looking at you as someone um, that they know. It's, it's not a personal relationship. For them, it was strictly business. So in moving mm-hmm. forward, you have to look at it as strictly business also. 
So we have to remove some of the emotions and some of the, the ways that we were raised. A lot of us feel this obligation to pay a debt even when it doesn't make sense anymore. Um, some of us feel right. that, well, I took, I borrowed the money or I did this, I have to. No, it's a business decision. They understood the, the, the business. They understood the risk. And so, you know, we shouldn't have to feel this emotional attachment to the debt either. So right. once we get to that point, we got to make some decisions. You know, debt has to be attacked in two directions. Mm-hmm. You know, and when I say that, you have to cut costs and you have to increase income. Right. And that's important. We want to attack this thing in two directions. So you have to find ways. If, if you don't have enough income, if you've done your analysis and you realize that you're falling short of income, one thing you have to do, you have to increase income. But I, I want people mm-hmm. to do that with an exit strategy. You know, mm. we're, we're talking about possibly increasing the, the income temporarily. So if that means that temporarily, and you, again, having an exit strategy that you work a little overtime, that maybe you do a home-based business, um, you know, that you change jobs, that you, whatever that, that side hustle is, that as long as you have an exit strategy, because I don't want the debt to also take away your time. Right. And, you know, so I don't want this to be a permanent part of your lifestyle that, well, I just increase the amount of labor that I give for the rest of my life, or I just give up more time for the rest of my life. You have to do this with an exit strategy. So you're going to put a time frame to it. Um, mm-hmm. On the other side of that, you have to cut costs. Now, my philosophy is cut costs, not lifestyle. You know, I would right, never tell right. anybody to live, to live a Spartan lifestyle. I don't believe in living a Spartan lifestyle. Life is too short. Mm-hmm. You need to enjoy your life, but you need to do it smart and, and be responsible in how you spend your money. Um, there's right. a, a phenomenal, phenomenal website called uh, LowerMyBills.com. And LowerMyBills.com is LowerMyBills.com. It's like a one-stop mm-hmm. shop to tell you how to lower your energy costs, to tell you how to lower your mortgage, to tell you how to get better deals on cars. To, I mean, everything you can imagine that, that you could do to lower your bills, um, it has examples. And, and I think there's over like 500 different um, businesses that it, it'll, it'll direct you to. Um, mm. But we also have to look at, you know, one of the things that, that was on the news today is Walmart lost $21 billion. And wow. the, the reason they lost that is because there's a price war with the major retailers, Amazon, right. uh, Walmart, all of the, uh, Best Buy. They're all competing now on price, which is a phenomenal mm-hmm. thing for, for us as the consumers because that's going to bring prices down. That means you can compare costs, and you should be. So when you talk about Amazon, eBay, Overstock, uh, shopping at BJ's, Costco's, for clothes, Marshall's, TJ Maxx, even joining a food co-op, we have to be smarter in how we spend our money. You can get the same Absolutely. quality. I would never tell you to, to reduce the quality. You can get the exact same quality. You can get the exact same amount of things, but you have to cut costs. You know, one of the things right. that uh, my, my friends call me cheap. I call myself frugal. Um, but they right. laugh at me because anywhere I travel in the world, I will get a bargain. And people are afraid to ask. And, you know, one of the things that I do, and I'll go to some of the major uh, retailers, and I'll fill my cart up, and I won't go to the register. I'll go look for a manager. And if I can't find a manager, I'll get a sales rep and say, well, where's the manager? And I'll tell the manager, I have all these things in my cart. What kind of deal can you give me? And you'd be surprised. In the vast majority of cases, they will give you a phenomenal deal. 
mm. but you can't be afraid to ask. So, you know, we have to begin to, mm. to look for ways to cut our costs at the same time that we increase income. That means if we're cutting costs and increasing income at the same time, our money's growing twice as fast. Right. You know, right. That's, a, that's right. important. Mm. You know, once we do that, then we have to begin to prioritize our attack. Every mm-hmm. debt doesn't deserve your immediate attention. Right. And so, some debts need your attention right now. And so we have to understand that if, if they're not all equal, how do we determine that we go after and which debt that we don't? Well, you have to look at the cost of the debt. And I'm not talking about mm-hmm. whether the debt is $500 or $5,000. That's not the issue. The issue is what is the cost, meaning what is the interest on that debt? Mm-hmm. The higher the interest on the debt, the more it's costing you. And, and it doesn't matter, again, if it's a $500 debt or a $5,000 debt, the one that has the higher interest is going to bleed you dry over time. And so that needs to be attacked first. Now, I usually, mm-hmm. you know, I had a person ask me a question, and they said, well, I have savings. If I have savings, should I continue to put money into savings or should I put money into paying off the debt? And I said, well, do the math. And he said, well, what are you talking about? I said, how much mm. interest are you getting on your savings account? And, you know, the average savings account is less than 1%. And how much is right. the cost of the debt? So you're, you're just mm. holding that money temporarily in the savings account, but you're, you're being bled dry on the other side with a high interest on the other side. It doesn't make sense to try to save if you're digging a hole on the other side of it. So you have to prioritize and you have to look at, you know, really what it takes, uh, you know, to pay that off or, or what it takes to carry that debt and to prioritize it in that mm-hmm. way. So then, you know, what we, we're going to do at that point is we, we have some decisions to make. You know, how do we deal with the debt? And one of the things you can do is call up the creditor and ask if they'll refinance the debt. Sometimes we don't realize that all we have to do is pick up the phone and ask. Now, are they going to just do it for no reason? Of course not. You have to call them. Now, and, and this is the, the – is if you have the ability to pay, continue paying it. If you don't have the ability to pay it, then it doesn't make sense to refinance it. Right, right. If, right, if you, because you'd just be in the same boat. If you have money available, then you're going to refinance it or you're going to settle. So let me explain that. Mm-hmm. If you have a lump sum of money, you can call a creditor and say, um, I'm, I have an economic hardship. What are your requirements to settle the debt? And you'll also ask mm-hmm. them how much they'll be willing to accept. Most creditors won't accept your word that you have a hardship immediately. So they'll tell you what their requirements are. A lot of them will, will require you to have a hardship letter in writing. So a hardship letter is simply a letter that states, um, this is my economic situation, um, and this is why I feel I need to settle. They'll sometimes ask you for proof of income to show that you have the ability to settle. Um, they'll also ask you sometimes for a list of your other expenses to determine that you really don't have the, the ability to continue paying this thing. You'd be surprised. Some creditors are very eager to settle because they'd rather get something than nothing, and that's important. Um, most cases, you can get a debt settled for 60% of what you owe. In some great cases, 
um, you can settle for as little as 20% of what the, the value of the debt is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sometimes the difference is if you settle, you say, well, if I settle it in one lump sum, how much can I settle the debt for? As opposed to if I settle it in, in three or four or five or six installments over time and, and lump installments, you know, what I'll settle for. So usually if you can do it in one lump sum, they'll give you a better deal than if you stretch it out over payments. Uh, one of the things right. that's important to understand, though, when you do it that way is that sometimes they'll report to the IRS the difference between what you paid and what you owed as income, and you have to pay taxes on mm. that. So one of the things you have to do is make sure you get in writing from them that they're not going to report the difference, that they're going to forgive the difference and not report it uh, to the IRS. Right. If you don't have a lump sum to settle the debt, but you can make lower monthly payments, then one of the things you, you should do is ask to refinance the terms. So you can ask to either lower or stop the interest accumulation on the debt. So um, a lot of people, especially on credit cards, got the default interest rate, which can be as high as 32%, which is outrageous. Um, so it's usually between 20 and 32%. If they can lower that down to 10 or 12%, it might be manageable for you. So you'll ask if they would lower the, the interest or just stop the interest and you'll pay it off at that point. Um, if they refuse to lower it, then you can ask if they'll stretch out the payments uh, over a longer period of time so that at least your monthly payments are lower. If you do these mm. type of strategies, you have to make sure you're capable of pulling it off because if you default again, it goes back to what you owed originally. Right. So... Yeah, so we have to really be be mindful of of what we're capable of doing. And that was the reason why we did all the organizing in the beginning. You know, you have to be able to to really focus on, you know, what am I really working with? And you have to, again, you have to look at yourself without judgment. Because at at this Mm -hmm. point, it doesn't matter how you got in the situation. It's what are we going to do now? And, you know, beating yourself up about it and being in denial and lying about, um, you you know, your ability to do things is not going to help you in the situation. Right. Well, yes. Haru, did you yes. say, uh, and I just, I have notes here, but I kind of lost my, my, my train of thought. Did you say to to ask the credit the creditor to stop the interest rate? Yes. You can ask I never heard that before. Stop. Wow. But it's, it's interesting, you know, credit, there's a, let me just explain. There's a process especially with credit cards, and most people have, uh, are deep in debt with credit cards, there's, there's a process that happens, and it's, it's a, a script pretty much that they follow. People think that their situation is unique. Your situation is not unique, and, the, you know, credit, com- credit card companies look at everybody exactly the same, and this is the process that usually happens. You, you default on your credit card. They'll start calling you nonstop from 8 in the morning, until 9 o'clock at night, and the law says they can do that. And what they'll do, they understand that you're going through these stages of grief. So while you're in that denial stage, they're going to call you, and they're going to call you, and they're going to call you until you get angry. And when you get in the anger stage, then after you pass the anger stage, then you'll pick up the phone, and you'll be in the bargaining stage, and they'll start offering you all kind of deals. Um They'll say, well, well, we'll stop the interest rate and we'll put you on the payment plan, but we want to take it directly out of your, your, your bank account. 
And that, and that's one of the mistakes people make when you're not capable of doing that. Um, you know, it becomes problematic. But you start bargaining, and they'll start offering you bargains. So they'll offer you a lot of times that they'll stop the interest rate, uh, which is important because they realize that if you haven't been paying it, you're not going to be able to pay it if they keep accumulating all these fees. Mm-hmm. If you if you accept that, then that is what it is. If you don't accept it, then they'll start threatening you a little bit. They'll say, well, you don't want this to uh, be on your credit report. It's going to mess up your credit report. Well, your credit report's already messed up. And then they'll say, well, you right. don't want it to be a charge-off. A charge-off is a terrible thing. And because we don't understand what a charge-off is, we start to get worried. A charge-off mm-hmm. is not a problem. A charge-off means that the, the, the creditor has accepted this as a bad debt and they're going to write it off on their taxes. That's all that means, which, which in your mind should be a relief because, okay, you don't have to feel bad that the creditor is not going to get paid. They're writing this off on their taxes now. Mm-hmm. They'll, after they charge it off, then the credit card company will threaten that, well, we're going to have to sell the debt if you don't do anything with it, and that's what they'll do. They've already charged it off, so it's a tax write-off, and then they're going to sell it to a, a, a third party for pennies on the dollar. So they get paid again. And then the process kind of starts all over. Then that creditor will start calling you nonstop from morning till night. And you go to that same process. And they'll offer you a deal, too. And then they'll say, if you don't do this, we're going to go to court, which is, which is true. After, but it takes a whole year. It usually takes about a whole year before it gets to the point where it's going to go to court. So you don't have to panic and go through all those stages and say, oh, no, I'm in trouble. You have a whole year to sit there and, and either get yourself back in order or make a settlement or decide to go to court. And we'll talk about that, you know, too, because sometimes that is an option. And sometimes it's a very good option. So, so you know, you know I, I, Haru, I think, I think you yeah. started off by talking about the emotional side of debt. And I think if you're, what what you're saying is that if you can just relax and breathe and don't get too emotional – you'll probably make better decisions about how to handle this. And, and, again, not to think that your debt is something special. Right. And mm-hmm. I think that's the, the challenge. Uh, most people will just have to go through the stages of grief, and then they'll get to the stage where they can do it. Some people, hopefully the people who are listening can say, I don't have to go through those stages of grief because I'm going to look at it strictly as a business decision. So let's just go back to the credit card companies again. When we look at this, when you signed your agreement, see, people don't realize, you signed a business contract. The contract said that they will extend credit to you, and you will make payments at a certain interest rate at a certain period of time every single month. And as long as you continue to pay, they will continue to extend you credit. That was the agreement. That's the contract. The contract also said that the debt that you incur it's not a secured debt, meaning that it's not secured by any, any property or real estate or anything of that nature, that if you fail to pay, the only recourse that they have is that you're going to, they'll take you to court and sue you for it. So you understand that. What happens is if you run into a, a situation where you cannot pay and you default, the fine print also said that the default credit rate will hit, which is 28 to 32%. What you didn't understand is that if your default credit rate hit on one card, all of your cards look at that, and they will give you the default credit rate. 
the interest rate. Mm-hmm. So if they give you the default interest rate, now all of your cards went to 28 to 32%, and they cap your credit at whatever you own. Right. So at, now as a business decision, if the interest rate is beyond what I can pay and they fail to, to continue to extend credit to me, then why would I continue to pay them? They've stopped the benefit on my side. I'm going to stop the benefit on that side. It's a business decision. There's nothing personal mm-hmm. about that. And so when you get to that point in your mind, you say, oh, well, this makes sense. They understood the business transaction. Now I understand the business transaction. Let's do what our contract said. The contract said it's unsecured. Your recourse is to take me to court. Well, I know I can't go to court for a whole year from now, so this gives me the ability to, to, to get my things in order during that time. Right. Mm. You know, I want to also uh, say, you know, as you, you, you spoke about um, organizing, you know, I think um, when we, at that stage, organizing helps us to get the confidence that we can actually tackle the debt because we begin to get a clearer picture of where we're at. And then from that point, we can start to strategize as to how are we going to become debt-free? How are we going to eliminate this debt and make those right decisions to get to where we have to be in the quickest amount of time? You know, I, I think a lot of times people stay in debt, not that they don't have any income, they just get overwhelmed and they can't make moves because they just said, I just, I'm just overwhelmed. I got so much debt. I don't know what to do. They don't know where to get right. started with the process, you know. And, again, because it's such a taboo so, subject, I think people feel so bad about themselves when they get in the situation. They don't talk to, to other people. And the vast majority mm-hmm. of people are in debt, you know. And, and if people would just communicate, um, they could at least share information. And right, people don't right. do that, you know, and, and people don't, you know, have mentors and advisors that they go to and come to them honestly and say, this is my situation. What do I do? You know, because it's, it's mm-hmm. really not once you understand it, it's not that difficult. Um, you know, it's, it's emotionally challenging, but, you know, the physical work that it requires to get out of debt is not that difficult. Right, right, right. And I know that we may be coming close to that time where we have to go to a break, but I want to say one of the tools that Rafiq and I, we have been, we have different, somewhat different philosophies about finances, but we're married and we kind of work, trying to work with each other in terms of how we approach doing bills or making investments or what have you. But the one thing is getting a system in place at home where when the bills come in, you have a way to organize those bills via spreadsheet, or if you don't want to do it via the computer, make sure you have hard copy files, and you purge these files from time to time to make sure they don't get overwhelming. You document what the bill, how, uh, you know, who's the vendor, uh, what's the account number, when is the due date, um, you know, what is the, um, the amount due, what is the total amount, and if you keep track of that and you do that consistently the same way, that organizes your thinking. So now when you get paid and money comes in, you know exactly where to place that money, um, you know, to pay someone, you know, whether you're going to do it by check or directly online, you have to make those type of decisions. But ultimately it's about having a system 
that works for you to keep you organized in your home. Exactly. You know, and yeah. it's a, you know, but you know, again, everybody has their own way. But you have to have something to work with. You can't be haphazard. You can't have the shoebox and throw everything in the shoebox <laughs> and then once someone come back to the shoebox and oh my god, I don't know where to begin, where to start. You know, I right. think I should pay this. Right. I think I should pay that. Yeah. <laughs> but we 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 know a lot of people are there because we were there. You know, so right. You right. you you have to get a system, organize, organize, organize. Yes. Okay. So um, this, uh, I think we're uh, pretty set to go to our first commercial break. And Rafika, if you're ready to bring on uh, the first commercial break, when we come back, we will go into part two of our uh, debt, um, you know, uh, you know, obliterating debt, the secrets of of, uh, of eliminating debt with uh, Haru Maket. Well, I want to just say thank you and welcome to all of the, the people who stopped by our Blog Talk chat room. Those of you who are in the chat room on Facebook, you can go to the Keys 107 uh, group and the Keys 107 network page. The chat room is open, and also we have quite a few callers on the line, and I want to say welcome to all of you. If you want to talk or ask Karu a question or make a statement about debt or share your story, Make sure you press the number one on your keypad. And for those of you who are listening in via the uh, Internet or via your cell phones, or I'm sorry, via your Internet, if you want to call in, the number is 213-943-3618, 213-943-3618. And um, we've got a lot more to say, so hang in there with us. This is a good time to get your pen and your paper for those of you who are not taking notes. <laughs> Well, James, I don't know. We seem to be having some technical difficulty. I'm going to try that again. Okay. (laughs) Blog talk. What are we going to do with this place? All right. For fashions that bring out the best in you, go to moon107.com. That's M-A-U-N-107.com. We feature organic hair and skin products, pink Himalayan sea salt, Women tunic tops, children's books, jewelry, art, and organite. Visit us on the web at moon107.com. M-A-U-N-107.com. The alphabet is available on Amazon.com and on Kindle. So get your copy today. For more information, go to www.thefluffamily.com. Rafika Consultants and Services Technology Trainers. Do you need help making your computer or smartphone work for you? Whether it's managing your email, navigating Windows 8, working with MS Office, creating videos for YouTube, or any other technology need, our friendly and expert trainers are ready to help you get it right. We also provide public relations and web design project management. 
For more information, contact us at www.RafikaCS.com or on Facebook at Rafika Consultants and Services. You're listening to The Keys 107, opening the doors to endless possibilities in the pursuit of love, peace, and happiness with your host, Rafika and Brother James. advisor and business consultant and author, Haru is with us every third Thursday of the month, and we are so delighted to be talking about debt. It is so on time. Um, getting your financial life together is one of the most important keys to getting your business together, to getting your family life together, and just sort of setting goals for where you want to be. And some of the points that Haru hit earlier, he talked about good debt. He said, gives you a strategic advantage. He says to leverage your debt, he gave out two gems, two two apps. One is Pocket Expense and the other one is Expensify. For those of you that are in the chat room in Blog Talk Radio, those links are in the chat room for you, so all you have to do is just copy and paste them into your browser. He wants you to be technology adept. And also, um, he talked about relieving the emotional attachment to debt. It's just business. Don't get yourself all in a frenzy. Acknowledge the five stages of debt. I love that. I never heard it put that way before, the five stages, anger, denial, acceptance, and depression. I may not be saying them in the right order, but, oh, my goodness. Prioritize your attack. He says not all debt is equal. Not all deserve your full and undivided attention. And he began to talk about the ones that have the highest interest rate. And he says, um, look at yourself honestly. Manage your spending. And, and you know, Haru, this is so so key. Like you said, most people don't even know where and how their money is being spent. How many times have you asked somebody what happened to your money? I don't know. But I had $20, and it just slipped through my hands. How did that happen? <laughs> yeah, people it's, are often it's crazy, but it's important. I mean, they're shocked. Yeah, once, you, once they start tracking it, they're just shocked. Yes. Yes. That That is one one aspect that James and I was very surprised at, too, when we started tracking our spending and looking at how we can um, cut costs. And one thing that I like that you said, Haru, you know, you you said cut costs, not lifestyle, and and that's so important because it's it's like if you're trying to diet and you love chocolate and you say to yourself, well, I'm never going to eat chocolate again, and you're craving chocolate, well, you know what's going to happen. You're going to binge, and you're going to eat a lot more chocolate than you should. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> managing managing weight, no, it's really, you're, you're right on point because managing weight and managing money are almost identical uh, in the mindset. Ouch. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, do you want to pick up on, on the next point? Um, I'm so excited about all the callers we have on the line, and I only see uh, two with their hand raised right now. Do you want to take a caller now, Haru? Sure, yeah. Okay. Uh, caller 931-624, your mic is live. Check in. Yes, how are you doing? Good. Doing well, thanks. Good. Um, I have a question to uh, I'm in- Caller, your phone is uh, breaking up. Okay. Is that better? Oh, much better. What's your name? Yes, and, and please identify yourself, my brother. Please identify yes, yourself. Uh, yeah, my name is Herb Nelson. Hello, hey, Herb. Hey, how Nelson. are you doing, Herb? I'm doing well, thank you. And uh, my question was, I'm an independent contractor. And what happens is, you know, my income varies depending on how well I do from month to month. Some months of feast, some months of famine. Um, and taking that into consideration, how is the best way that uh, I can get my debt under control? Um, should I attack my smaller bills first or my larger bills first? Or what would be the best strategy as, you know, with the variant income for me to plan for that? Well, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that you have varying income. One of the, the better apps for budgeting for people with varying incomes is called Good Budget. Uh, that's another free app, and that one's actually better for people who have a varying income because it, it allows you to, to play with it a little bit and, and create a strategy for yourself. Um, so that's a good way to do it. And I would tell you it, it's not about the larger or the smaller. It's like I explained earlier. It doesn't matter if the debt is, is $50 or, or $500. You, you need to attack it by the one that's going to cost you the most over the long run. So if the $50 one has a 32% interest and the $500 one has a 2% interest, then it's better to carry the 2% than it is the 32%. So you right. have to prioritize, you know, uh, in, in order, and, and, you know, which one uh, is going to cost you in terms of is one closer to – a court case than another is one close. You know what I mean? So you have to really see the cost of carrying each debt to make that decision okay. as opposed to the, the size of it. Okay. So basically the cost of cash in reverse. Basically. So, you know, what I'm saying is uh, what is what, and you have to look at too, um, because you're an independent contractor, are my lights going to get shut off if I don't pay this one? You know, so sometimes, you know, we're talking about, um, borrowed money, but there are also bills that need to be covered, right, for, for right. somebody with varying income. If my lights are going to get shut off and, and I need electricity, then I need to keep the lights on. That's going to be a priority over all the other things. So you're going to have to t- take care of your, your basic daily living expenses first, and then you take on the debt in order of which one is the most costly. Okay, that makes sense. And and whenever you can, you need to you need to call up your creditors and try to defer the payments as long as possible. And even your bills, if you can defer them, especially when you have varying income, if you can defer them as long as possible, then defer them. If you can stretch them out over a period of time, then stretch them out. Okay. Okay. So and I just do that by calling them. Or are they pretty receptive to that? Yep. Absolutely. Just just call them. And if the first okay. person on the phone doesn't give you satisfaction, then you ask if you can speak to their supervisor. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you very much. You know, Herb, you you, well, you bring you up a good question, and I think a, a, um, a good thought, because 
when Haru mentioned to call the creditors and negotiate with them and ask them even to just stop the interest rate, I think the perception that most of us have is they, they're not going to talk to us. All they want is our money. Right. No. And you'd be surprised. Well, I mean, and, and there are different – the customer service rep that picks up the phone has the ability to make a certain type of deal. And right. so they're limited. They can make it small. But if you ask to speak to a supervisor, they have the ability to make a different type of deal, which is usually better. So that's that's why I mentioned it. If you don't get satisfaction from the first person, say, I'd like to speak to a supervisor, and they usually have a little more flexibility on, on what they can approve. Yeah. You know, and I, and I heard your point earlier when you said that uh, sometimes you just, you know, you talk to the supervisor when you go up front with your basket full of goods and you say, can I speak to a supervisor? And you get a discount that way. And, and uh, you know, I, I think that's also a good strategy. Um, sometimes, you know, we yeah. get intimidated to speak up for ourselves, but I think that's a good strategy, and that's something I'm going to try to do from here on out. Good. And you should mm-hmm. feel entitled. I feel entitled to get a deal. And and there's, sometimes there are, are managers that are resistant, and what I say to them, the managers that are resistant, I say, well, I'd like to number to the regional office, and I'd like to speak to somebody there and let them know that they're about to lose a customer because you don't want to make a deal. And I've never had right. to call the regional office. Okay. <laughs> okay. Mm. Now, in looking for this deal, I have a uh, just follow up real quick. So, I'm looking for this deal. So, I'd be looking for you know five percent or or ten percent or five percent or two. Five percent is nothing. Why would you just try to get five percent off? Ask, uh, ask for more asking. than you expect. I'm saying I tell people to ask for ask to get it at twenty percent of what's owed, meaning eighty percent off. Try to get eighty okay. percent off the deal. You know, um, you'd be surprised. I, I've I've gotten eighty percent off. I've gotten other people eighty percent. I'll try to get eighty percent off the deal. If they don't go for it, and and a lot of that will again depend on your ability to to do it in one lump sum. If you can do it in one lump sum, a lot of times you can get things at twenty cents on the dollar. If you can't get well, that, ask, then you negotiate as much as you can. Uh, let me ask you a different question, then, if I may. Uh, sort of changing the sure. dynamic. Um, I've got a son now who who's in in college. And, uh, you know, we're not getting a lot of uh, scholarships or financial aid. you think that that a strategy would also work with, with the colleges and their financial aid office and trying to get some sort of uh, relief for his education as well? Well, um, not, you have to call, again, if you call and ask what programs are available, you'd be surprised, um, you know, what things colleges offer. If you have a certain address, sometimes colleges will give you a deal, you know, um, they have some very unique scholarships that are really bizarre for the strangest things, but you have to ask. You know, so you should definitely okay. call the school and, and ask what they have to offer. Uh, a lot of times, okay. money just sits and, and wastes away because people don't ask for it. So definitely ask. Okay, thank you, sir. You're welcome, Herb. Herb, well, um, I just want to add a little something to this as well because what I believe the question. Uh, one of the questions were about it was really about a cash flow management uh, issue, meaning this month I bring in six thousand dollars, but my bills are five thousand. I have a surplus. Next month I don't know exactly what I'm bringing, but next month might be four thousand dollars. So you want right. to know what strategy should I take to pay the bills? I will tell mm-hmm. you from experience, I was there. Where uh, uh, one month I could bring in ten grand, and the next mm-hmm. month I'm bringing in two grand. You know right. um, the fluctuation. So here's the deal: 
uh, one of the key things that um, Haru said earlier was about organizing. When I organized my bills, I knew almost exactly, approximately, the amount of money I needed to expense each month. So if Mm -hmm. I exceeded that in my income this month, and I knew next month I have to match that, I'll set aside money to pay something for the next month. So if I don't, uh, you know, meet my goal, my revenue the next month, I already have some money set aside to pay for those bills. And then the priority aspect comes into play if I'm short. You know what I mean? And then, right. like, and the other thing about communicating is it's good to call them and tell them I might be late with something or can I pay a partial on this and in two weeks I'll pay the balance. We have to communicate with these with these folks who are holding us hostage, you know, in terms of our debt. So, you know, keep your head up. Um, and this is yeah, a question, well, and I'm glad you was on board with us. Yes. Yes, sir. And what, 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 based on what you said uh, just then, um, I, I've got another question, and I don't even know if I should be worried about this, but then if I do call these creditors and I do get them to um, expand my um, my payment schedule, um, would that affect me uh, credit-wise as far as credit scores for the future? If I look to uh, well, you know, well, credit, credit. Let me explain. Credit is not about your future. Credit is a snapshot of what's happening in your life right now, and and what happened in the past. So it's not going to affect your credit in the future. It'll it could affect your credit immediately. But we have to understand what credit is used for. So credit is used to borrow money. So if you're already mm-hmm. in a hole, you don't need to be borrowing money anyway. Mm-hmm. So don't okay. worry about credit score. And, and as an independent contractor, as a business owner, I want to make this point. It's, it's really important. Mm-hmm. For what you're doing, credibility mm-hmm. is far more important than credit. Okay. You, okay. You'd be able to do a lot more, right, if, if you have the credibility then you can find private money to come in and even or invest in and and even lend towards what you're trying to do if you have the credibility. So don't worry about a credit score. Okay. Right now you have to worry about getting down, you know, the debt and then you can rebuild the credit later. Okay. All right, sir. I appreciate that. All right. All right, God bless. All right. All right, thank you. We're we're thank you, uh Herb Nelson. We're gonna take one more uh call Haru, and then we can go back into the, uh, I think we're on the sure. ninth of the 12 points. Um, 843-557, call your mic is live. Ooh, I'm here now. Hey, guys. Hey, Haru. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. You're, hey. you're, you've been hey, uh, holding so long. Good enough, <laughs> Hi. Um, yeah, we man, recognize that voice. Oh, man, I appreciate you guys so much. I'm so grateful to be on. I wanted to know from someone that came from outside the U.S., but they were already an adult, like maybe from Canada or the U.K. or Australia, and then, you know, you get American credit, and you might not necessarily know what to do with it from scratch the first year before you even have any debt. What what should you do? Well, you shouldn't necessarily do much with it if you – well, you have to understand what credit is for. You want, if you want to keep a good credit score, a good credit score will allow you to, uh, if you want to rent a, uh, an apartment, it'll allow you to rent at a better rate. It'll sometimes affect whether or not you get hired for certain jobs. Um, your credit score 
uh, will determine whether you qualify for uh, good rates on the telephone or, um, you know, how much credit is extended to you on a credit card. So, you know, to maintain credit, if you've never used it before, you can get a low a low um, low level credit card, meaning that it doesn't have an enormous amount of money you can borrow against, and make small purchases but pay it off at the end of the month. That'll build your credit score and make it nice and high. Um, you also want to get what we call varying types of credit. So you want to get some revolving credit. You want to get you know some fixed credit. You get different types of credit. So if you can vary the types of credit you get, um, it'll keep your credit score high. So initially, you might not want to do anything special with the credit, but at some point, if you want to purchase a car, it'll give you a better you know, rate on a, on a loan. If you want to purchase a home, um, it'll give you a lower interest rate on a mortgage. So, um, you know, don't be quick to just go and, and accumulate a lot of debt, but you have to use credit in order for the number to stay high. Otherwise, you have no credit. Okay. And then how about first year of a business in the States versus personal? Like that's a good conservative way, you know, you're getting credit, but you're not necessarily using it. How would you aggressively grow business credit the first year in America? Well, business credit uh, is different than, than personal credit. And usually first year in business in America, um, you, you'll have, if you had got credit, you'll have to be a personal guarantor. Um, in order to get business credit in America, you have to first register with Dun & Bradstreet. Once you're registered with Dun & Bradstreet, uh, which means you have to have a, a, an address, not a P.O. box, you have to have a t- dedicated telephone number, and you're registered with Dun & Bradstreet, then you start accumulating credit. But the first credit you get will usually be um, you have to be a personal guarantor on it because you have no history. So that's the way you start building business credit. Is it almost easier? Is it still possible to just buy someone's shelf company that has a history and a D&B number of like 10 years or more? <laughs> I'm not going to advise you to do that. Um, <laughs> there, there are loopholes. There are loopholes in, in the credit uh, uh, system. Um, don't get, don't start trying to do the, the get rich quick scams. Um, they blow up in your face in the long run. You know, um, you're not supposed to be buying like a shell company for like the credit. Yeah. There's a, there's a, like I'm saying, not just an empty thing. Like I'm trying to acquire a trucking company in Atlanta right now. It's been open for a few years. I know it's got credit and a DNB number, so that's something that wouldn't be starting from scratch and it does have an income. Well, I mean, but you, you, initially you said buying a shell company. Buying a company is different than buying a shell company. You know, there there are people that, who, that's, I mean, I don't don't get into operate. the scams. You know, just do it right. You know, um, in the long run, it always pays to do it right. Anytime we try to find shortcuts and loopholes, eventually it will blow up in your face and it's not worth, you know, the outcome trying to take a shortcut. Um, if you have a trucking company, there are many ways to borrow money. Um, you know, that right. that are non traditional. There's so many ways today to borrow money that didn't exist just five years ago. You know, whether you're talking about peer lending or uh microloans or um crowdfunding or you know, th- there's so many more uh venture capitalists and, and angel investors in America now that if you have a legitimate plan and you have a legitimate um start and you've tested it, there are people that will throw money at it that you don't have to try to take a shortcut and beat the system and try to get credit. Credit is not the best way to finance a business. Right. Right. Mm, very interesting. Well, Mark, Hafiz, I want to thank Mark you Cuban, for Mark joining Cuban. in. Hold the line. Can you hear me? Yeah, hold the line, Hafiz. Yeah, right. um, thank you. Can you hear me? Mark. Yeah, I can hear you. Mark Cuban 
told us only a idiot would start a business on a loan. That's what he told us, <laughs> Mark Cuban. I didn't say loan. I, I mean, you, you, that's why I talk about investors. You know, um, I was just, yeah. Your 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 no, mic is breaking up, Hafiz. Hold the line. Hold on. Haru, we're going to try to um, get Hafiz back on the line when he has a, uh, a clearer clearer call. I may call him and check in with him. We have a few more callers on the line, and if you want to ask Haru a question, you have to press the number one on your keypad. And I think this is a good time to jump into point number nine about strategic default. Sure. Yeah, strategic default is, is uh, you know, it's a powerful tool. And basically it's the willful, conscious, an intentional ceasing to make payments on a debt. And strategic default basically has two purposes. First, it can buy you time. So you just simply stop paying and you let you know things play out until you're able to reorganize your finances or pay at a later date. Um, or second, it's a strategy that leads to a settlement at a reduced amount or in some cases the total elimination of a debt obligation. So let me just explain how that works. Some people do it for real estate, and that's how it became pretty much popular in America. Uh, when we had the, the housing crisis, when most people suddenly found that their properties were what we call upside down, meaning that they owed more than what the property was worth, it didn't make sense mm-hmm. to continue paying on a debt uh, where you know the property wasn't worth what the debt was. And so people stopped paying. Right. And when you live in a, in a judicial state like New York, the process for foreclosure can be strung out up to like five years. So if the process is strung out for five years and you're not making payments, at the end of the five years, you've recouped uh, whatever money, your, your losses that you put in, and you've gotten your equity back. You can either turn the property over or, again, try to, to refinance that, that by getting a loan modification. So strategic default makes sense in, in a situation uh in a judicial state with real estate. Strategic default also makes a lot of sense oftentimes when you have a credit card where the interest has gone to the default interest rate, which is, again, between 28 and 32%. There is a process. I explained to you the process of when you sign a contract um, you know, with a credit card company, but the process also, after they sell that debt, and I told you there's a whole year that passes between the time you default and the time that you get a summons on your door, there's a whole year that passes. And what happens when you show up to court, you have to file an answer, and usually if they sold it to a third party, it's easy to win the case in court. You probably can walk away basically with nothing. But even up to that point, they're offering you settlements. When you get into the courtroom, an, an attorney that represents the creditor will take you into the hallway and offer you a settlement. You can hmm. say yes or you can say no. If you say no and you you filed an answer with the court that says that, you know, um, you don't owe this and this and that, and you filed your answer. The the judge, if you ask for, uh, when when you say, they're going to say, there's a term you're going to say, and I want to make sure I give you the right words. Um, they're going to call each person, and they're going to call the case number. When they call your name, you're going to say application. Application means that you're looking for an adjournment. You're going to go up to the judge. The judge is going to ask you why you want an adjournment. You're going to say you need time for discovery. That's an important term to remember. I need time for discovery. 
The judge is going to say, what do you need in discovery? I need the creditor to provide proof that I owe this debt, all correspondences associated with this debt. Um, If it's a third party, they need to provide a bill of sale that says they bought the debt that has my name and my account number on it. The judge will reschedule the case for a later date, giving the other side time to provide the information discovery. If the creditor does not send you the information, when you go back to court and you go to trial, you will ask for a dismissal with prejudice. There's the difference between dismissal with prejudice and without prejudice. A dismissal with prejudice means that case can never come back to court. And the judge will say, on what grounds? I am not able to put up an adequate defense because they did not provide the documents I requested in discovery. 100% of the time, the judge will dismiss it if that's the case. If they did provide you documents, you need to go through the documents. If it's a third party and there's no legitimate bill of sale and there's no creditor that will provide a legitimate bill of sale that has your name and your account on it, when you go before the judge, you will ask for a dismissal with prejudice. They'll say, on what grounds? They do not own this debt. I do not, I've never done business with these people. And they will look at the evidence, and it will get dismissed. Um, if they send you the information and everything is there, if it's a first-party um, creditor, then you will try to make a settlement, and, and they will accept the settlement. So strategic default, again, buys you a significant amount of time, and it buys you leverage so that you can either eliminate or settle a debt at a very uh, much lower cost. So, you know, it's important that we don't uh, exclude this, you know. And and a lot of people, again, have an emotional attachment to debt, and they really shouldn't. As a business decision, it makes sense sometimes to strategically default. There are other times when you do not have the ability to do anything, when your stuff is so upside down, uh, when your debts are so great and you can't make your monthly payments for just living expenses, then it's time to pull what we call the, the atomic bomb of finance, which is bankruptcy. <laughs> there, there, is such a, <laughs> there is such a stigma in our community attached to bankruptcy. And, again, it's a business decision. If people watched the Republican debate a few weeks back, Donald Trump stood in front of all of America and he bragged about the times he filed for bankruptcy, and he boasted that he used bankruptcy less than most of his peers in business. <laughs> bankruptcy is it's not a negative thing. It's a way to strategically reset your situation. It's like starting the clock all over. It's like resetting everything so that it gives you a chance to to not only survive but to thrive again. You know, what people don't understand is, you know, when you file bankruptcy, it discards certain debts and creates a payment plan that's, that's manageable for you so that you can start your life over without all that stress and headache. And, you know, there, there are a few different types of, of bankruptcy. And for individuals, basically you're going to file either a Chapter 7 or a Chapter 13. In most cases, you do not want to file a Chapter 7 bankruptcy. Chapter 7 allows for the liquidation or the sale of all of your non-exempt property, and the distribution of that will go to your creditors. So you you don't really want to do Chapter 7. Chapter 13, which which is the most popular, um, what it does is is that if you have – you have to have regular income. You have to show that you have some type of income coming in. 
if you have income coming in, then what happens is that a payment plan is made that that is extended over three to five years for you to kind of play catch up with your your creditor. Um, it's also a way to avoid um, uh, foreclosure on your property. Your property won't you can't lose your home. Your property won't be foreclosed on if you do Chapter Thirteen bankruptcy. So, depending on the, the amount of income you have, the, the courts will create a plan that stretches between three and five years. Stressing out your, your debt between three and five years gives you significant breathing room so that you can live a life, you know, pretty much stress-free. So, um, you know, it's important. Businesses file for Chapter 11, which is a little bit different, and a Chapter 11 um, is, is just a plan of reorganization, and, and pretty much that's what Trump and all of his peers do all the time. So, you know, it, it's important that we don't take that off the table um, it is usually a method of last resort because it's just a pain in the neck to go through a process, um, and it will affect your credit for about seven to ten years. So um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a technique that the wealthy use constantly. It's a technique that big corporations use constantly. So as a business decision, you know, it's, it's something that we definitely should should look at when it's necessary. You know, once you settle a lot of these debts and, and you've eliminated some debts and you're in a better position, you know, the thing that we have to make sure of is that we don't get back into that situation. Right. Um, you know, and that's, that, that's so critical because we don't want to repeat the same patterns. So, you know, another uh, few softwares that are, that are excellent, uh, mint.com is, is excellent. That was free. And some people, you know how we used to do the old envelope method of, of you know, I want to put some money here, some money here. There's actually a software that replicates that, and it's called Envelopes, you know, the letter M, V-E-L-O-P-E-S, Envelopes. And you can electronically put money in different envelopes and, and do it that way. So, you know, <laughs> I think grandmother would love that. that. Yeah. Mm. You know, so it's a method that, that people are very familiar with. Um, mm. You know, and then, you know, the, the thing we have to do, you know, once we've done that, it's important that we review. And, and, again, staying organized is so critical. You have to review your income and your debt periodically because things change. Sometimes your income changes, and so that's going to affect your ability to pay your debt. Sometimes your debts change. Right. Um, sometimes they increase. Sometimes they, they become less. And so we have to really manage that. You know, there's, a, there's an old right. saying that, that goes, if you find yourself in a hole, the first thing you need to do is stop digging. Well, my father expanded That's on right. that. He used to tell me, he said, once you get out of the hole, you need to throw away the shovel. And, that, and that's really important. <laughs> you, know, you, you have to, you know, really remind yourself, um, because you're in a better position, not to go back to old habits, you know. And, and right. it's usually right. difficult because, you know, once that money starts coming in again or once you've relieved yourself of the debt, it's easy to start slipping up and, buying a little more here and a little more there and getting, you know, and, and people start sending you credit card offers again. And before you know it, you have a whole stack of credit cards and, you know, the store cards and the gas cards are easy to get. And, you know, um, Capital One will send anybody a, a credit card, $300, you know, maximum, but they'll send anybody pretty much a credit card. So it's easy to get stuck on, okay, well, I have credit. I need to use it, you know, and, you know, we have to begin to, create a strategy even for using the credit you know is it used for emergency purposes is, is it used because 
Um, you know, it's going to build my credit. So it's important to continuously review that and, and not go back to the old situation. Mm-hmm. Very good. So, Harul, a lot of these you... tips. Go ahead, James. No, I was going to say the bankruptcy um, part, where we said seven to ten years of it still impacting our credit. That means it stays so that creditors can see that the bankruptcy is still there. Am, am I correct? Yes. Yes. Or even if it's been satisfied. But then also another one of those bad things is the tax liens. I, don't, I know we're not really talking about that today because we're talking about eliminating debt, but if you owe taxes, that's a debt to the government. And I feel that that's yes. a really threatening debt, you know. That is. Um, yeah. I personally that, that takes priority. That. Yeah, that takes priority. Um, over yeah. all other debts because the government can't right, do stuff. Um, and, and they can so, penalize you, I mean, almost illegally. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, they hit you with the interest law. rates. So, you know, if you have a, a government lien on your, your stuff, you need to handle that first. You know, that's like I was telling the gentleman right. earlier, you know, if your lights are going to go off, then that takes priority over paying a credit card company because what can a credit card company do to you? And it's the same thing. If there's a, a lien on your property, if there's a lien on on uh, where you live, then you need to take care of that first. All the money needs to go mm-hmm. towards that. And even when you have a lien, though, they'll give you a payment plan. Right. So, you know, we have to, but you have to ask, you know, if it's a $7,000 lien, you know, they'll threaten to take it for 7000 But you can say, well, okay, well, what's the best deal I can get? And they'll tell you, you know, you can put this much down and this, these are the monthly payments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you have to be able to stick to it. You know, that that's what's important. Okay, okay, okay. Wow. So I don't know where where, um, where are we at with this conversation in terms of well, uh, are know, we have we covered James? Um, we have covered all the twelve points, but one thing that I want to go back to Haru is all of, a, a lot of the strategies that you gave us today begin with organization. Yes, and I think. That's great if you are an organized person, and maybe you're not organized, and that evidence is the debt <laughs> and how right. you handle the debt. So how well, do we – uh, let's, let's close out, with – well, let's close with giving well, somebody – that was one of the reasons why – I'm sorry, okay? No, I think you're, you're going to pick up where I, where I was going. Yeah, well, I mean, that was the reason why I gave out so many different apps and, and softwares because those things help you organize. I, I mean, most people, let's be realistic, we are not organized, and most people haven't been forced to be organized. And, you know, the situation forces you to do it. And I always say technology overcomes biology. And so when we have a, a personal deficit, you know, now there's so much technology that's available that can supplement that. I mean, you know, we still have to use the technology. We still have to plug the numbers in. Um, but then you have to get to a point where the debt hurts that bad that you don't want it anymore. And if ah. you're not feeling that pain, you know, and you want to carry that, then, you know, there's nothing I can say or anybody can say that's going to help you. So, you know, when we have all the, all this assistance. And, and everything I, I mentioned today was free. I didn't, you know, I didn't put any of the – because there are plenty of paid softwares and apps too, but these are all good quality apps um, that are free of cost. And so, you know, if, if people don't choose to use them, 
then they're going to carry the debt. And, and I guess, you know, when the pain gets great enough, then they'll make a decision that I have to do something. And the thing right. that people have to understand is the longer you wait, the more it's going to cost you. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, when we were talking about the um, the tracking of expenses and, and budget, you know, I I know that Rafiq and I, we make different spreadsheets, and sometimes we make a spreadsheet that is just perfect, at least it is for a while, and then something needs to be modified. And so we normally can't agree from from time to time on what should be in that spreadsheet, too much information or not enough. Um, I started looking, I didn't even share this with you, Rafika, at two other uh, apps. One was called BudgetTracker.com, and the other one was BudgetPulse.com to see if that would satisfy our request to have our monthly bill expenses laid out in the way that we cover everything. And it, uh, when you look at it, you see what you need to see. When I look at it, I see what I need to see. And, that, you know, it's, I guess families have to have something, a tool to work with that they feel comfortable with, you know, and they can stay consistent with. That will help them stay organized. I just wanted to put that out there. BudgetTracker.com and BudgetPulse.com. You know, you know, James, tools. you're picking up right in from one, what uh, Dafar Soris talked about in the D-Free book when he says, you know, there are partnerships in debt. So if you are a, if you are a couple and whether you're married or living together or just doing things financially together, you, you have to understand that there is a relationship in the debt. Definitely, your debts are tied together. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So um, we have to wrap to up. Follow, but that's true. No, and it's a hard reality. Yeah. This whole thing about facing debt, you know, accept acceptance is 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 not easy. And and there comes right. that there there comes that kind of personality that just says, "Listen, I worked for this. I deserve this. I'm going to get it." I'll face the consequences later, and that's that's an attitude. That's a that's a behavior. Not very. We have to wrap the show up. I got Haru. I've got three pages of notes here, and um, I'm just going to go over just some of the uh, apps that you recommended uh, for our listeners here: Um, Pocket Expense, Expensify, and you also suggested the website lowermybills.com and um, you gave out another one I can't find it in my notes right now but Brother James um, tuned yeah. in and mint.com good budget um, envelopes good budget. And, and make sure they get their, their uh, credit report at, at uh, annual report uh, at uh, annual credit report annual credit yeah right. annual credit report dot com is is there a fee for annual credit report? No, no. If you want the no. scores, there's okay. a fee, but the, for for the actual mm-hmm. uh, credit report itself, there's no fee. Okay. Well, well, Haru, we have to wrap up today's show, but uh, Haru's next uh, show on the Keys 107 Network is scheduled for November 19th, and stay tuned for the topic for that show. But we are here for you. We are helping you with your financial key to unlock those doors to help you in your pursuit of opening doors to endless possibilities. I'm your host, Rafika. 
My co-host, Brother James, is here, and as I always say, when Brother James is in the house, expect something wonderful to happen. Haru, we'd like to thank you for your time once again, and um, we didn't get a chance to talk about how your seminars went. Oh, and if you're having any and, more and coming up. Well, I just want to make sure people I also I, my book has a whole section on dealing with debt and, and what I call strategic realignment. So, you know, um, they can definitely get Recession Driven Riches, which is my book. They can get it at recessiondrivenriches.com. You can get it on Amazon or Barnes & Nobles. Uh, but make sure you get it because it goes more in depth about how to really reorganize your, your finances. And, Haru, in the Keys uh, 107 group, there's the link to um, your book. Um, right there. So those of you that are online right now can jump on our Facebook page, The Keys 107, and click on that link, that yellow book, um, and go right there and purchase that book today and tell Haru in a financial way that you appreciate him and his time. I'd like to thank all of our callers who tuned in today and our – is someone saying something? Yeah, I just want to put a little request into Haru. Um, In the future segment that you do, can we cover um, the thing about FICA scores, you know, what makes up your credit scores and how is that broken down and, you know, what's a poor score versus a bad score, good score, and, you know, just break that whole – because, you know, we can go ahead and get these three annual credit reports and look at them, and most of us will probably (laughs) say, this looks like it's Greek. What the hell are they saying here? You know, um, yeah, I think we want to break it down. Show. Yes, yes. Okay, I just wanted to plug that in because you know it took us some time to get it together. <laughs> you know, so and, yeah. and and talk about the differentials between the three credit score, the the Experian, the uh, what is it, the FICA, and what's the other? I mean, the three credit um, different credit scores that we get, and uh, talk about prime uh, uh, prime. Uh, Super prime and you know below prime, whatever it is, all these terminologies <laughs> that we get kicked around, uh, and break it down for us. You know, make us make us educated, financially savvy. Okay. Yes. Okay. Thank you, my brother. Haru, do you uh, want to close with anything in particular to our listeners today? No, I, I think that's you know it's really important that they they get on it immediately. You know, the sooner you start to get organized, the faster. You get through this and and move on to you know um, bigger and better things that you can do with your finances. So, you know, don't take this information and sit on it. You know, while it's fresh in your mind, while you're highly motivated, take this information and, and, and run with it. Wow. Um, on that note, I want to close, and in closing, I would like to um, extend another quote from um, the D Free book. And it says, um, if you are not attending to the details of your financial future, if you're not realizing the consequences that will transpire based on your lack of action, then you set yourself up for a lifetime of financial slavery. So we're going to leave with a Ernie J. Smith song, and I think I believe is appropriate for this show because we always want to (laughs) know... that you have faith and you believe that you can do better. Good night, and thank you for tuning in. Good night, everyone.
give me a minute. Yeah, I'll be You're listening to The Keys 107, opening the doors to endless possibilities in the pursuit of love, peace, and happiness with your host, Rafika and Brother James. 